morning and welcome to Get Up With God. It's good to see you this morning. I'm your host, Dylan Maverick. You're on for another episode of Get Up With God, and I've got six points for you here at 6 a.m. Today is episode we're going to be discussing, The Cure for Familiarity. This is part two of our uh, devotional that we've been talking about, about the spirit of familiarity. If you didn't watch part one, be sure to go back and watch it as we discuss the the definition and define what the spirit of familiarity is and what it does, how it affected Jesus's ministry and how it infiltrates the Christian's life today and what it can do for you. What I want to do today is discuss the cure for familiarity. What it has done in people's lives is, uh, insurmountable and what it can can do to your life and how it can affect your life really in a dramatic way. And I want to talk to you today about the cure for this. So this today's episode, six points, 6am, the cure for familiarity, go ahead and make some notes, get a notepad, get a Bible out, grab a cup of coffee, sit down, enjoy this episode as we get into this uh, today. So let's pray. And then we're going to get into the word. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We lift you up. We worship you. We take this time, Lord, to devote the first part of our day to you. We thank you for all that you have done for us, Lord, all that you are doing for us and all that you will continue to do for us. And I just ask now, Lord, for help, for insight, for direction, for our future, what we're doing, what we need to do. We give we give our lives to you in your hands. We just thank you, Lord, that you're faithful. We thank you, Lord, that your word is true. We thank you that you're not a man that you would lie or that you have to fabricate things, Lord. Your word is true. You stand by your word, and we thank you, Lord, that your word is coming to pass in our life today. Today is a day of victory. I speak life over every person watching today, every person listening today, that this day would be the greatest of the rest of their days, and their days would continue to go up from this point forward. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Well, like I said, grab a Bible, grab a notepad, take some points down as we get into this this day's episode the cure for familiarity part two of our discussion about familiarity. So point number one, familiarity is brought on by inattentiveness to value, inattentiveness to value. So familiarity, uh, just to reintroduce this and get back into this subject, familiarity is brought on, or I should say it is allowed to run in your life by inattentiveness to value. Or I should say, you could say lowering the, the, uh, the perception of something, lowering the value of something and not seeing it in the light that it should be. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. I want to go over a couple verses and we're going to discuss the cure for this wicked spirit that is in people's lives. Uh, Matthew 26 and verse eight says this, we read through uh, what happened with the woman who anointed him with oil. And this is the story that we're bringing up. Certain verse six, actually, when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon, the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster box of very costly, fragrant oil. She poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste for this fragrant oil may have been sold for much and given to the poor. So these the oil that was poured on Jesus by this woman was because she saw the value in Jesus. She saw what he was worth. She saw what what he meant to her. And she took something that was of extreme value, something that not only was important to her, but was a very costly. There was a lot it cost a lot of money. And that's the thing of people don't uh, something people don't understand is something that doesn't cost you anything doesn't mean a lot to you. 
And the same with what David said when the king that he won battle with, he said, uh, I want to give you all these things or I want to give you all this land. Or when he went to repossess the person's um, um, land, that he said, I'll just give it to you, King David. And King David said, I won't take anything that, that doesn't cost me. Or I, won't, I will not offer something to my God that doesn't cost me something. So costing you something means it's valuable to you. It's got some value to it. So this woman poured this valuable thing upon Jesus and his disciples looked at it and said, wow, what, what a waste of this valuable thing. So you have to wonder to yourself, did they not value Jesus? Because to put it on Jesus would be a significant way of saying, I value you. And wouldn't that oil have been used for something else? So what would have been wrong with using it for Jesus to value Jesus? And that's the perception that they give off is that it wasn't valuable to pour it on Jesus, but it would have been okay to use it for something else. So are the poor, nothing wrong with helping the, the, the poor, the homeless, but is that, does that mean that they're more valuable than Jesus was? That's the perception that they give off when they use this term. Why this waste? When this fragrant, this very expensive oil could have been used for something valuable. So familiarity point number one, if you're taking notes and you should be, if you don't, I've got an email. You should sign up for it. You can subscribe on my website, dylanmaverick.com. You can go to the email list and you can subscribe to the email list and I will email you daily devotionals of the six points at 6 a.m. that we go over. And then we also have a recap at the end of the week that you can sign up for. And that'll give you the recap of the whole week, the notes in it, scripture, so you can go back and read through them. It'll be a blessing to you. But point number one is familiarity is brought on by inattentiveness, inattentiveness to detail or to value. You could say that inattentiveness to detail or inattentiveness to value. Point number two. People today, I want to bring this back to the to Christianity, to ministry, to uh, the Christian's life and how this impacts you because we're Bible believers. Let me hear someone say amen. We're Bible believers. We believe the word of God. Uh, people today, point number two, people today belittle or think lowly of the fivefold ministry gifts. Or we could say in this context, I want to talk about is pastors. They think lowly of pastors. They think you, you hear terms like this. Oh, he's just a man. You know, he puts his pants on the same way I do. While those things are factual, they can give the connotation of lowering the value of something to, to normalize it. I, I don't want to take, for time's sake, I don't want to take you to the other scripture, but you remember the scripture we, we referred to as well in Matthew, where Jesus went to his hometown and they said, who is this man? He speaks of wisdom. He speaks with power. There's anointing on his life. There's power in his ministry. But who is this man? This is the carpenter's son. This is the guy that we go to church with. We go to church with his family, with his sisters. Who is this man that teaches us, that's preaching this great power? Oh, that's just Jesus. That's Mary and Joseph's son. Who is this man? They, they, normal, they had to normalize Jesus because that spirit of familiarity does that to you. It takes what's valuable. It takes what's important, and it brings it to a normal level. It does that with your boss. It does that with your family. It does that with your spouse. It does that with your relationship in this context with your pastor. It takes it to a where they should be valued and normalizes it. And so that you don't, and it's not you doing it. It's this spirit of familiarity that's in you is it taints value and brings it down to a lower standard. Uh, I want to give you context here. Uh, so this is what today's people standard people have done in the church 
is they lower a pastor and you see it in their dress. You see it in the pastor. If you look culturally across churches today, you see it from the platform and from their perspective that they do this. They dress down. You see them dressing a lot. Now I'm not, I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to convey religion to you that you have to wear a suit. You have to be dressed, you know, to the nines, but you can see the attitude of pastors has over time has started to de, de, uh, been to been to dwindle down to normalize the pastors. I don't want to look any more superior than anybody else, which they're not superior. But they, they I don't want to look like I'm I'm better than anybody else. And so that in that attitude, even pastors, that spirit of familiarity has gotten in them and started to lower their standard. You see them wearing sandals and casual clothing, more casual. We are representing the highest office on earth as ministers. If you're a pastor, if you're an evangelist, a, you know, a teacher, an apostle, a prophet, you are holding the office of a high, uh, the highest platform on the, in the plant, in the world, not just in the world, in the universe, in history, you hold the highest office. You should hold yourself to a high standard. Doesn't mean you're better than anybody. And I'm going to prove that to you in this next point. So point number, number two is people today belittle or think lowly of pastors due to this spirit of familiarity. Point number three. I want you to turn with me into Matthew, stay in Matthew, chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10, point number three, if you receive the man, I want you to write this down, this is point number three, if you receive the man, you receive he who sent the man, let me say that again, if you receive the man, you receive He who sent the man, Matthew chapter 10, go with me into verse 40, verse 40, he who receives you receives me. And he's talking to his disciples. He says, he who receives you talking to his disciples, he who receives you receives me and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Verse 41. He who receives a prophet now, now hold on, let's, before we go to verse 41. So what's Jesus saying? If you'll accept Jesus bilaterally or however that term would go, you automatically accept the one that sent Jesus. If you accept me, for example, if you accept me and my teaching, you automatically accept the one that sent me to you. That's how this works. So you're in, in conjunction with, with accepting Jesus now you automatically accept God, the one that sent Jesus. There's a connection there. Verse 41 says, Now he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. Or this, you could say in a different translation, says the same reward as a prophet. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man receives a righteous man's reward or the same reward as a righteous man. And whoever gives this little one, the little ones only, a cup of water in the name of a in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. So you receive the man. So it's not that the man is superior. It's not that the man is greater. Now Jesus was. We know that he was sent by God. He was God in human form. So we know that Jesus was. Now he had no unfair advantage over us, but he's superior. He is a superior. He he was sinless. He died for me and you. He's our King. He's our Lord. But when in talking about the ones that Jesus sent, 
the pastors, the ministers that Jesus sent. The Bible says when you receive your pastor, you receive the God and Jesus who sent your pastor. You can't bypass one to get to the other. Like you can't just, people say all the time, well, you know, we're Muslim or we're Islamic or whatever the religion that they say. And we worship the same God as you do. We just call it something different. You can say what you want to say. I'm going to tell you this. You can't accept the same God I do unless you accept the one that he sent for you. So you can't access God without accessing Jesus. You can't get to God without going through Jesus. We see you, you can read the first, you know, 30 some odd books of the new of the uh, 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 of the Old Testament. You're not going to get to God or 40 books, whatever it is that you can get to God, but you can't get to God without getting through Jesus. They had to make blood and animal sacrifices. There was priests that was making atonement for the people. You cannot access God without the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. Thank God. And I receive Jesus and he makes me able to make, to get, have access to God, to be able to, to step into the throne room of God. That's Bible says that in Hebrews 10, you gain access to the things of God by stepping through in what the work that Jesus did for you. Hallelujah. So that's what your access is. But now you receive your pastor. This is, but talking about spirit of familiarity, you receive your pastor. You receive the reward of a pastor, the same reward a pastor receives because they're not greater than you, but they're put in an office to hold you accountable, to help you access the things of God, to keep you straight. Ephesians, uh, the book of Ephesians tells us to keep you straight, to help you become a perfected person in the likeness of Christ. That's what the work of Jesus does. And that's what, when you accept your pastor as the shepherd, that's what a shepherd is is they keep you clean. They keep you in the path that you should be on to help you to. You've got to do some work too, but they keep you on that path. So you receive the man, you receive the man's reward. So again, point number three is receive the man, you receive, receive he who sent the man. Point number four, familiarity is cancerous. Point number four, familiarity, the spirit of familiarity is cancerous, but it, it, it has a cure. There is a cure. Say that out loud. There is a cure for familiarity. And when you, and, and if you, if you're thinking, what, what is the spirit? Maybe you're turn, tuning in for the first time. And uh, I had a comment yesterday. It was so beautiful on the last broadcast we did. Um, I had a comment that said, you know, I didn't, I wasn't aware that there was a problem with familiarity, but this has helped me understand what it does. And that's what the spirit of familiarity does. I'll go back to a note that I read uh, or one of the passages that I have in my book says that you ne most people never experience or know that the spirit of familiarity is attacking their life until they're experiencing the wicked fruits from what familiarity does. It dumbs down, it devalues, it makes less important with a, a thing that should be extremely important. And this is what people are doing within the church. They take a pastor who should be held at a, should be esteemed, not, not exalted or praised, but they should be esteemed because they're a leader within the church. The Bible says we, sh we can communicate to them financially, spiritually, by prayer. There's many different ways you can communicate to your pastor uh, the office that they hold that you should communicate in the form. People have demeaned that now. People have no problem wearing a jersey with a quarterback's name on it, but walk into church with your pastor's name on your shirt or walk around your job or walk around society in general with your pastor's name on it, you'll, you'll get glares. 
Well, look at this man exalting a pastor like that. Well, you don't have a problem putting Tom Brady's name on a jersey and wearing that around. People don't have a problem with any NFL or, or sports memorabilia and having a uh, an athletic figure on the back. Why? Because the connotation is within ministry. The devil knows if you put your pastor in the place he that God expects him to be held to, then there's going to be blessing in your life, and the devil doesn't want that for you. He hates you. He doesn't want anything good for you. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy from your life. Anything from the devil is killing, stealing, destroying, destruction, bad, evil. That's not from God. Perfect gifts come from God. So point number four, familiarity is cancerous, but there is a cure. It causes once, listen to this quote, it causes once reliable, focused, high-performing individuals to sink under pressure, question themselves and their abilities, and eventually crumble under the weight of everyday affairs. That's what familiarity does. Causes it crushes the individual. I gave you an example in the la- in part one of this, talking about the definition of the spirit of familiarity. And I gave you the definition of someone going to a job and and getting that job. And over time, it's the the they start to that job starts to lose its its vigor. It's the the money starts to seem like it's not as important. The boss seems to be even more irritating than normal. Why is that? Did the boss change? Did the money change? Or did something in you, the the spirit of familiarity get on you, and now you see it differently? So uh, number five, got two more points and we'll be wrapped up. Number Point number five now. Ephesians f- uh, 15 and 20, you can t- go ahead and turn there and write this down. Walk circumspectly. Circumspectly means to walk carefully and avoiding risk. Ephesians chapter 5 and 15, turn there quickly. We've got to wrap this thing up. We had, a, we had an issue on the broadcast if you want, were watching live this morning. We streamed, and then the stream, I don't even know how to explain what happened, but we're, we're live now, thank God. Um, I adjusted a setting in it, and it decided it wanted to take a dump on me. Ephesians chapter 5, turn there into verse 15. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dispensation, but be filled with the spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, walking circumspectly, he says, don't be drunk with wine. What is he talking about? Paul's saying, be alert and aware of what's happened, not just in the times, not just in society. He's saying, be alert and aware to the things that are around you so that you put down the things that need to be pushed down and you put up the things that should be put up and you pay attention to things that should be paid attention to. Pay attention to these things. Circumspectly means to walk carefully and avoiding risk. Be attentive. That's the opposite of thinking lowly of. That's what attentive means. And the point number six now, final point of six points at 6 a.m. Thankfulness is the cure for familiarity. Let's read this verse again in verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thankfulness is is the cure for familiarity. You can never think lowly of something that you're thankful for. 
I'll give you a quick story, and we're going to wrap up with this. I, I was talking to someone individually, uh, or an individual. Uh, we were discussing his day and some things that had happened. This is a while, a while back. This wasn't recently. And he's, he, was, he was red hot, infuriated with how his day went. Um, he was mad at his boss, the way he was treated at his job, feeling like the money wasn't good enough. And he was thinking about quitting his job. So long story short, he's telling me this. Now, mind you, about a few weeks, maybe months before this conversation that we had had, he was talking about the promotion that he had. He knew the guy before him was in the position that he had and the stress that he had. But he said the compensation's worth it. We're talking a six-figure job, not like a, you know, not that there's anything less you're less or anything if there's, but it was a, f- a high figure paying job. So there was some responsibility that came with that. And when he took the job, he knew the responsibility that would come with it. He knew the stress that was going to come with it. But what happens in the midst of this thing months later, he's in the midst, maybe a year later, he's in the midst of that same thing that he took. He knew the job paid well. He knew there was a high level of stress and he knew, he knew it was an obnoxious boss that he was going to work for. But he took that because of the compensation and the flexibility of his new schedule compared to his old one. Now he's in the midst of it. He's in the fire. He's in the midst of this new position or well, which was new a year ago. And he's not happy anymore. He's not seeing uh, what he saw then. Now it's different. And I asked him, I said, uh, called his name. Is this different than when you took the job? Is this any different? Didn't you expect, didn't you pray for this? What's the difference now that you're a year into it? It's the same boss. It's the same frustration. It's the same compensation. Are you just fed up with it now? Yeah, I'm just fed up with it now. Ah, so it's not the job that changed. It's not the person that changed. It's not the money that changed. The situation didn't change. Something in you changed. That spirit of familiarity reared its ugly head. Now you're frustrated. Now you're aggravated. And you know what I said to him? I said, talking about the cure for familiarity. You know what you're, when you're red hot, you're mad at someone. You're mad at the situation. You want to change. You want things to get better. You want to, you know what you're not in that situation, in the midst of all that? You're not thankful for what you do have. You're not thankful for the job that does pay you. Because if, if this person quit their job, it would have been detrimental. I mean, you leave a six-figure job, it affects things. Not that you can't, but it affects the environment. And and he told me, I'm, we're not in a position for me to leave this. But if he had quit, that would have affected his family, would have affected his income, would have affected so many things if he had just up and quit. Why? But what what wasn't he? What aren't you? When you're in the midst of this, you know, feeling like it's just normal, you're not thankful for what it is and what you do have. I have a job the I do have income. And the Bible says to us, giving thanks always for all things to God, the father. And before that, Paul says, walk circumspectly, keep your eyes peeled, be alert. Now relate this back to your pastor. When you're, when he says something that steps on your toes. When he makes a call or picks up the phone, calls you, sends you an email and says something that you feel is off and it wasn't right. Not that it's wrong or sin, but it just, it hits you wrong. It's like, man, how dare he say that to me? Well, guess what you're not when you see that pastor in a very familiar way. And it's, it's just pastor. It's just another man. You're not thankful for the powerful gift that Jesus gave to you. 
the powerful, mighty gift that he made available to you to help your life. You're not thankful for that. Thankfulness cures this demonic, cancerous, evil spirit that runs in people's lives because of inattentiveness to the value that something should have. Don't allow it to run in your life. This has been six points at 6 a.m. Get up with God. I hope this helped you. You'll receive an email here in just a few minutes about these six points and you can go back and study these things. And I encourage you, go back to part one, rewatch that part two and be on the lookout. My book will be out very soon. I'm waiting for a forward for some mighty men of God that are going to forward my book. They're going to write an introduction in it, uh, sign off on the book and they have already on the, on the context of the book but then they're going to sign off on it in the beginning and make a note in it, which I'm waiting for. But the cover's made, the book is written. Now, what's all that got to do with this? That book is about honor and familiarity and how to be who God's called you to be. Armor bears. We're armor bears for the things of God. I hope this show blessed you. Be sure to subscribe. Share this on your broadcast or on your Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, wherever you socialize in media. And uh, be sure to let someone know about the show. And as always, I appreciate you and love you. And I'll see you on the next broadcast bright and early at 6 a.m. Talk to you soon. Have a great day. Bye-bye.